All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of The Gregor Show on Sports 1440. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Also, those watching live on YouTube, Orders Nation YouTube, check it out. Hit the subscribe button. We really appreciate that. You can always get involved. You can text us. 833-401-1440. And uh, if you have any questions for our Who Is It? Wednesday guest in studio, who I will announce momentarily. Uh, feel free to send us those, 833-401-1440, and we will get to our uh, big guest of the day, brought to you by the Spruce Grove Saints. Uh, they kick off another season. Friday night at home. Get your tickets, sprucegrovesaints.ca, Friday and Saturday, home action for the Saints. And uh, now, our guest today, had a 17-year professional career, was a four-time Canadian champion, three-time world champion, born in Manitoba, but many associate him as a, an Albertan, and also one of the uh, few athletes who uh, had the chance to compete with their child in their sport. None other than the uh, gentleman who used to throw the, uh, the four stones for the Furby foursome, and uh, they're going into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. Dave Nedowin joins us. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing excellent. Yeah, thanks, Jason, for having me. This is great. Well, it's good. Uh, happy to have you. We'll just get you to move the mic a little bit closer to you so everybody can, uh, can hear right. you even clearer. There, there we go. go. Nice. So I guess let's start there. That's a big announcement. Uh, you're going to the hall. Yeah. Uh, we're we're very excited, of course, when we heard that that was coming up. Um it's it's a unique thing i think for curling i mean for anybody just just you know kind of be shoulder to shoulder with so many giants past and present uh it's pretty cool 
um, you know, very cool. And, and, uh, the class of this year is amazing, uh, where there's a lot of, a lot of athletes that, uh, we're going to have a great time with there. There's George St. Pierre and, you know, uh, as one of them, he's the one that kind of stands out to me where you're going to be like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, and you think about, um, the, the, there are so few curlers that are actually in it, uh, for our team to be, uh, to be recognized at the level is pretty amazing. And I think the most important thing for us is that we're going in as a team not as individuals. I mean, Randy Furby on his own could, could likely be in there. He's got, you know, a couple more Briar titles than we do. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, arguably the most successful player of all time, but it's not, it's not Randy Furby going in. It's the Furby four. And I think for all of us, including Randy, uh, you know, that's the most important thing. So how does it work? Who, who does the speech? Well, I don't know. Uh, we haven't really got that far yet. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, so you the start way, with Marcel Rock, he gets an open, and then Pfeiffer comes in, and then Furby, and then you're the skip. Or well, no, throw the force? I, my, my guess is that, uh, like you said, all of us will probably have something to say. I think that's the way we've always done it as a team, as, as everyone's got uh, some part of you know involvement in that. But I think we would probably do it the opposite if you're asking me, because Marcel's a school teacher, right? Okay. So if someone's going to take the mic and just like run with it for. 20 minutes and It'd eventually need the hook off the stage. It's, it's probably going to be Marcel. So I'd, I, if we all want to turn, we're probably going to have to finish with him as my guess. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, how often do you guys get together? So yeah, like it depends on, on, I guess the time of year. I mean, I see, so Scott Pfeiffer's now working for Curling Canada. Yes. And, uh, Marcel or, or uh, Randy works for Everest, which is a big sponsor of curling. So Randy's always around the curling scene. Uh, right now I coach my, my daughter's team. I'm one of the coaches on that and she is team Canada for, for juniors. Mm -hmm. So that means I see Scott all the time. Uh, right now I've seen him probably, you know, more in the last, uh, you know, a month than I have in the last year before that. Um, just cause he's always at the club and he's coaching and he's a great resource and he's all part of those programs. Um, but you know, as a team, just socially, we usually try and have our annual barbecue. We had that, uh, in the summer, all the wives and husbands get together and it's just, just a ton of fun. And, uh, uh, so we, you know, we've, we've remained friends, uh, very good friends for a long time. Of course. I mean, we started curling together in 1997 and, uh, I imagine we'll, we'll always have, uh, kind of that bond and that friendship. And that was probably one of the things we were most proud of, of, of that career was, you know, 13 years with the same team and, uh, and, and really successful through that entire period. Dave Nettowin joins us, uh, our big guest today on the Jason Greger show. So let's go back tonight because you were on a team, two different teams, the two previous years. And how did, how did this come about that you guys hooked up and became a, a team? Because like, I think you, you were on a different team. Randy was on a different team, but when you approached him, if my memory's correct, you didn't approach him to say, Hey, let's get on a team. You were asking him to say, Hey, do you know which team I can play on? Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good story in that. So I, I kind of knew I was going to move from Winnipeg to Edmonton and it was more that I was, uh, graduated from engineering. There wasn't a whole lot of jobs in Winnipeg that were kind of doing what I wanted to do. So I, I had met Randy at the players championship in Winnipeg the, that spring of like 96, I guess. And, uh, just kind of said to him, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm moving to Edmonton. If you know any curlers looking for a player, like, just, you know, maybe you can make some introductions. And, uh, he said, yeah, no, that, that sounds good. And, you know, lots of people say that. Right? It's like, yeah, 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 sure. As you're having yeah, yeah. a beer. And it's yeah, like, yeah. he, he has no idea who I am and he doesn't have any idea what he's going to do. He didn't know do. who you were at all. Oh, probably not. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I hadn't had a, a terribly successful junior career. I didn't win junior championships or nationals or worlds. Like I'd always been that guy that was kind of runner up in everything. Yeah. And so I was playing with a 
with a team that was that was good though, like a really good team that year. Was uh, it David David? Is that who you were playing with? Dale Duguid. Dale Duguid. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And uh, his dad. Yeah, his dad was a was a world champion, Don Duguid. And actually, that's when I first started curling. Uh, he was one of the first people I ever met. Was Don Duguid. Uh, juniors and I was like probably nine years old couldn't get a rock to the other end and I remember my very first game I'm curling with this guy named uh, Jason Ballmer you know and he's like 18 and he's a giant to me and I'm sweeping a rock I think in the first end and I burnt the rock and of course right there you got to stop the rock and push it down I sat on the bench and started crying and, and you were nine? Yeah, I was probably like nine, right? Because I, I sat on the bench and started crying. Okay. And, and Don Duguid comes out from behind the glass and out onto the ice and sits on the bench, puts me on his knee, and he's like, it's okay, we all do it. I'm like, well, I, I did it here my first game. And, you know, he consoled me, and he was like, it's all good. So here I am sitting on this world champion's lap crying <laughs> in my first game when I'm like nine. And uh, then a number of years later, you know, fast forward probably 10 years, and I'm playing with uh, with his son, Dale. And we, we had a really we had a really good year and a good team. I just knew I was moving out, uh, out west. So uh, anyway, so summer goes by, and I reached out to Randy again. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got some ideas. I'm like, oh, he did remember. Like That's that's pretty good. So we, we met up at um, uh, Friar Tux in Sherwood Park, if I remember. And uh, <laughs> do you know the place? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's got to be some stories around oh, that. Oh, yeah. Anyhow. Um, we meet up at Friar Tux and he said he was going to have someone come along and, and, uh, he had some ideas. I'm like, okay, cool. And so in comes Randy and it was just him. And I was like, okay, uh, so what are you thinking? He goes, me. I'm like, I'm curling with Randy Furby. And so he was curling with, he was scheduled to curl with a guy named, um, uh, uh, Glenn Hunka and, um, uh, or Ken Hunka. I'm sorry. Glenn's his brother, Ken Hunka. And, uh, Ken is just, he was this, he was just the, you know, greatest guy, uh, ever. He, he ended up winning a provincial title yeah. about a year and a half later. He beat us in the final and he played with Blake McDonald, who's a world champion yeah. now with Cooey. And, um, uh, it, it was the most fitting thing ever because Randy actually told Ken, he goes, I, I don't know why I'm going to play with this Neto and kid. He goes, but I just, I just know I need to. And really? Ken's, Ken's like, I thought, I thought we were playing together. And he goes, I, he goes, I don't know, Ken. I just, I got this feeling. Ken's like, awesome. Go do it. And so anyway, two years later, we play Ken in the provincial final and he made an absolute miracle shot to beat us in the last end. I mean, it was one that there was no way he was even there and, and he made it and it was just meant to be right. He beat us and, you know, obviously we were upset at the time, but looking back, we went on to a whole bunch of success after that. And Ken got his moment at the Briar in the spotlight in Edmonton and played in front of his home crowd. And he's he's passed on. But I mean, the uh, looking back, it was it was the best thing that could have ever happened was him winning that provincial final against us and uh, and getting his moment in that spotlight. And I think it was just it was all meant to be. Dave Nettowin joins us. So Randy Furby says, OK, let's play together. And then we're, we're rock and Pfeiffer there right away from day one, or did you have different uh, first and seconds the first few years? Yeah, we had a couple different players. So the deal was we each got to pick a player. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, the first year, uh, one of the fellows that I picked, he ended up moving back to Ontario. And the other fellow, we just, you know, kind of you, you kind of figure out what the right chemistry is. So it was actually the second year um, that we that we ended up, I think I think we needed a player in one bond spiel, and and Scott Pfeiffer was the Canadian Junior Champion at the time, and uh, we got him to fill in for a few games. He hadn't played in a year, but we needed somebody, and so I was like, "You should call this Pfeiffer kid." So he plays he plays one event, and we're like, "Oh man, he's in!" Like, he's good. It's anything Scott ever touched turned to gold, like anything, and we're like, "We need this guy," 
And so it was real easy for us to decide that he was, he was going to be part of the team and convince him to play with us. And, uh, at that time, the next year, we had, uh, Carter Rycroft yes. with us. And that's when we lost the, the provincial final to Ken Hunka. Uh, so Carter then moved on to play with Kevin Martin. It's this big circle of like, oh, yeah, players, yeah. right? Carter goes on to play with Kevin Martin and has this great career, uh, which couldn't have been happy for him. Just such, such a nice guy. And, um, we ended up kind of like rotating through a whole bunch of players. We just couldn't find the right guy. And, uh, Marcel ended up, we ended up playing a bond spiel where we just started inviting like a new player for every game. <laughs> like we couldn't, we just knew it just had to fit, feel right. And we yeah. couldn't find the right guy. And the last, the last game, uh, I can't, I can't remember how we got in touch with Marcel, but it was kind of like going down the list, right? Yeah. Like we just hadn't found the right guy and Marcel were going through like, well, there's no way it's going to be Marcel or this or this. And we play one game with him like, oh man, we found our lead. Like so he's what just was a, it about him that was the right fit. You know, he was just an absolute workhorse in the very first game. Like everything he did, he did just at a hundred percent of his effort. And he's out there going, uh, guys, I'm not, I'm not, not the best shot maker in the world, but I will give you everything I got. And when he's dripping, sweating in the first stand, and he really was on the first rocks, we're like, there's something here. Okay. Right. And, uh, it just, again, it's just that chemistry. Yeah. Right. And I think curling is so much about that. I mean, it, it, you, we always said you could have the four best players on a team. It doesn't mean you're winning, yeah. but you have the best team. You're probably winning more times than not. Well, your front end really changed the approach of how people looked at sweeping, right? Like, I, I think that's fair to say. And, uh, you know, Marcel and Scott, it became like a real pride factor almost. Did you sense that? Is, is that a fair statement that not that other people didn't respect sweeping before, but it just seemed like it elevated and, you know, maybe you try different shots because of the sweeping potential. Yeah. I think that's, that's entirely true. If we look back at, uh, you know, kind of the things that I think we changed, and this, this is all part of the, the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, the Hall of Fame is, I mean, there's, there's lots of great teams out there yeah. that aren't necessarily in the Hall of Fame, but it's sort of like, what are your, you, you know, what have you won? What's your credentials? And what have you done to change the game a little bit? Or what have you done for the sport? Or what have you done to like better the, you know, the, the situation around you? And so, you know, I think for us, we, you know, we sort of feel like that was the turning point from let's do it as a, as a hobby and everyone's out there throwing a few rocks to we, we committed full time. I mean, we actually all quit our jobs in 2002 yeah. and we were the first team first to do team that. To do it. Yeah. And we went out and found some really big sponsors. And, uh, one of our first sponsors was World Financial Group, who's, who's a big sponsor in curling now. But we, we looked at, uh, Carl Edwards, who was the race car driver who was yeah. sponsored by them. And he was blue and yellow and logoed up with it all over his chest and everything else. And we designed all of our clothing after that. And we, a lot of people made fun of us. They're like, you guys look ridiculous. Cause up until really? then it was like, you wear a black jacket, yes. you've got a little crest on your arm and that's it. And nobody knows what that's for. There's no value to anybody. Okay. So we, you know, we kind of took the approach of let's, treat this like a profession. Let's do everything right. And so that was also the starting point of, I think, where teams started going, there is a brand, there is something we could do for our sponsors. Um, you know, sponsorship money changed dramatically there. P- purses haven't changed a lot, <laughs> no. right? But sponsorship money has. Yeah. And so taking that approach was like, what is every aspect of the game that we need to be better that, than the other teams at? And part of it, to your point, was the sweeping. And, you know, we focused a lot on that of like just the, the, the fitness. Now we didn't have the, the, I guess this technology to measure what we're, you know, what they're measuring today yeah. to know if we were like doing it all right or wrong. I mean, we had 10 inch broom heads, which was ridiculous. And <laughs> I mean, the amount of effort we put out for the actual like, you know, result 
would have been silly yeah. compared to what they know now. You're right. But, you know, I think that was the point where we took it to the next level from that fitness side. And I think, you know, rightfully so after that, you look at the, the te- Kevin Martin team with uh, Ben Hebert and Mark Kennedy at the front, and they then even elevated it one further beyond us, right? Like yeah. that was that was kind of that next step. But I think, we, you know, we feel like that was the starting point of all that. And it was it was a big change in terms of how you how you approach a sport. Um Wayne Wayne Madaw, I think after we'd won a you know a few, a few briars, he went on on record going, "It's just it's not fair. They're professionals, and the rest of us aren't." Well, it's your choice, though. Yeah. Well. Yeah. There you go. There was no rule that said you couldn't do it. No. I still see Kenny. He lives just a block away from me, so he's always running around uh, my house, and uh, he's you know he's in pretty good shape. Pretty yep. good shape. Although I, I was timing him, it looks like he might have slowed down a little, Kenny. He <laughs> might have to might have to pick up the pace a little bit on that yeah. uh, lap around the lake. Oh so. man, he is he is he is in really good shape. Yeah, still. I know, like he's yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? His whole family yeah. is. They're oh, all his daughters crazy could really ones. like. I was like they yeah. were because we yeah. have a uh, we have like a little uh, storm pond, and there's yeah. a, a path around. It's basically a kilometer. Okay. And so they were timing and, and his daughters were running around it. And I'm sitting there on the deck and I'm just like, so just for fun, I'm like, oh, not saying anything. And I was, I'm like, holy cow, like she is running. Like, oh, yeah. and, and like they were running four minutes and under. And I'm yeah. just like, whoof. Yeah. Right. So, they're, yeah, they they're an incredible family yeah. for, as far as just uh, pure athleticism and they yeah. work hard at it and have fun at it. But yeah. So, uh, yeah, Mark's down at the club quite a bit. He's obviously, uh, playing with Brendan Botcher. They just wanted him yeah. this weekend. He, he was a, my, my daughter was fortunate enough to get some time talking with him this year already and about sweeping and all those things. He, yeah, he's just a great guy. Yeah. So Dave Nettowin joins us. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk about just kind of the, the evolution of, of what the Furby foursome did with curling and then the business side of it. Cause that really changed a lot. So now you're not just a curler, but it's the business of curling, all that and more on the Jason Greger show on sports 1440 and live on orders nation YouTube. Welcome back. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wednesday edition of the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. If you want to get in the game, be sure to use your GameSense. Go to GameSense.ab.ca and learn that you stay within your limits. Our Who Is It Wednesday guest. We uh, gave you the hints earlier. Oh, by the way, uh, shout out to uh, a few of you. Who uh, did correctly guess it in the, after we uh, gave the hints. It was uh, indeed Dave Nedwin who is uh, going to be inducted alongside uh, his teammates for the Furby Foursome going into the uh, Canadian Sports Hall of Fame later on. Uh, I think it's in November or is it October? Yeah, it's, it's October. October, October okay. 19th. So next yeah. month. Yeah, nice. yeah. That's great. Ottawa. Now, we, we talked about how you guys were really the first team that said, okay, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna be professionals now. We're we're not gonna have our side job. We're gonna dedicate everything to to curling full time. And it, so, who was kind of the leader of you to do the sales packages and to get you in front of uh, these sponsors? Because that's not something you'd ever really had to do before. Yeah, I think for us it was uh, it was a complete team effort. I mean, everybody sort of had their different skills. Uh, you know, certainly Randy had a lot of connections through his years of playing. Um, you know, Marcel was really great at just presenting. We went and uh, did all sorts of uh, speaking engagements, and he's really great at that. Uh, I enjoy doing that. So it wasn't really just one person um, trying to think exactly how that happened. We ended up we ended up during uh, the NHL lockout. I'm trying to think of what year that would have 2005. been. 2005. 2005. We actually had the sports corporation representing us as agents because they needed uh, oh, Rich Winter and them. Yeah, they okay. needed. They needed uh, some help in terms of like you know clients that they could actually go out and potentially market to okay. you know their sponsor their yeah. you know their brands. Um, so anyway, we were represented by them for a year and a half. Um, but anyway, it was it was kind of just a joint effort, and I think it just started to snowball because we were doing things a little bit differently, and uh, it it definitely had some results in terms of the sponsorship, which is great. I mean, we've seen it go up. You, you know, I think right now, you know, every year you're seeing more and more sponsorship for the teams that do it well. But again, it's a skill. You got to work at it like everything else. Um, whereas, we're, you know, that's, that's really how curlers kind of get by now. Yeah. Um, they don't win enough necessarily to, you know, make a living out of it, especially, you know, like you win, if you win a big event, maybe it's $20,000 divided by four, take off all your expenses. Like you're not, you're not getting rich off it. But what you can do is cover your expenses with sponsorship. And uh, your winning is, is kind of like your your uh, pocket change, your money. Okay. Yeah. So when when you look at kind of how that the evolution of the game, and I think it's been better, but like people are always a little nervous. Was there pushback? You mentioned how people kind of joked about what you were wearing because now suddenly you're like NASCAR a little bit, right? And you've got uh, you know different colors and different logos and sponsors, but that's how it works. Was there a lot of pushback, or was there a lot of people saying, "Hey, how are you guys doing this?" Well, I think like anything, there when there's change and you're seeing an improvement in something, there's going to be people that are like, "Oh, we that's that's not who we are. We shouldn't be doing that, right?" And it's like, well, kind of change or or don't. I yeah. guess you'll kind of stay with the way it was, and everyone, everybody else will advance. Um, I think the real friction came from the fact that we were just full time practicing, training, doing everything that we could, and there was a there was some resentment towards a feeling of like unfairness in that, but. I mean, you know, and, and again, that's just sort of evolution of the sport. But I think for the most part, I mean, that's just a few, right? It's like yeah. anything. You got the 10% who are against something are the most vocal, yeah, right? The 90% exactly. who are like, you know, this is a really good idea and it's changing it. They, they're they like, how do you do that? How, I want to learn. 
and I and I think that's that's you know really what we saw was the most of the people started to adopt uh, kind of the, some of the ideas and concepts, and not that everybody had to go full time. I mean, I think that's actually a bit of a challenge now where events have gotten longer and longer and longer. Like the Grand Slams are ah. are amazing events, and uh, you know credit to all the guys that started those. Um, you know, obviously Kevin Martin being one of those guys who was involved in it. And, um, you know, Wayne Madon, a few others. And they're wonderful events, but they're also a week long almost for every event. So now you've got six of those. Then you've got the Briar for a week. Then you've got your, you know, in some cases, provincial playdowns and other events. Like, you cannot have a regular job anymore. It's just, no, it just doesn't it's work. Yeah. It's impossible. So you need to find other ways to, to make it work and to make ends meet. And so, you know, obviously this has been a really important evolution for that. It's, it's elevated the rays of play, you know, across the board. And, uh, you know, been, you know, overall, I think really good for the game. Now, you had mentioned earlier, Dave, that, you know, in junior, you, you weren't somebody who won national titles or world championships or anything like that. You were competitive. You were good. Kind of the, the runner up. Um, when you joined the, the Furby foursome, is it just the evolution, the maturity of, of being a player? Because your ability to make the huge, difficult shots that, that was kind of like, that's what Dave Nedwin became known for. Like, you know, uh, not to take a, uh, for order fans a laugh and like big shot Dave, uh, Dave Riddick, it didn't work for him, but it worked <laughs> for you, right? Like that, that yeah. was your reputation of a guy who could obviously weren't scared to try him, you know, double takeouts, lots of different things that you were doing, you know, wh- where did that come from? Did you guys, did you change your philosophy at all and just say, you know what, I'm going to be more of a, of an aggressive shooter? Well, we, we did. I think that was one of the things that we were known for was being just incredibly aggressive, maybe to the point of stupidity at times. Um, so, you know, it, and it was fine. Like we, we lived and died by that. Yeah. And, uh, so that changed, I think, the way that the game was played. I mean, early nineties, we were seeing like, oh. you know, Stoughton and Martin with two one games in the briar and, and really you could fall asleep for an hour and you didn't miss anything. Right. So I think that was kind of the, the changing point. I think Wayne, maybe Wayne Madon before I was starting to do that. But yeah, so we, we just decided that that was our style and we perfected it in terms of like just kind of trusting that we were going to do that. But I think the, the only way that works and we were kind of unique because I threw last rock and of course Randy called, called the, the shots and the line was just absolute trust, like okay. complete 100% commitment from everybody on the team that everybody just had a job to do. And, and that was it. And my job was, you know, I'm, I'm simplifying it, but do what I'm told. Meaning like Randy is the guy that is standing there and watching all the ice and all the shots. Now, at the end of the day, he would let me make my final decision if I was against something. He's okay. like, Hey, you got a reason for this. I'm gonna let you do it. But really my job was easy in so, you know, so-called easy because I trusted everything that he did in terms of where he put the broom and okay. the line and what we're calling and why we're doing it. So I could just think about execution of a shot. And then I had the two best sweepers in the world making it possible. So, you know, it, it, I think it's, it's, that's the key for it. Like you just, you can never doubt, well, what if I miss this shot? What's my team making to think? And, uh, I, I, in our first worlds is the one we didn't win where you mentioned we had four briars and three worlds and I had, I had the easiest shot to win the semifinal game. It was just a wide open hit and stick and I rolled out and we lost the semifinals. And I remember at, at dinner that night and we're sitting there and I'm just like devastated because I'm assuming in my mind that's the only chance we would have ever had to win a world title. Right. And, uh, and I stand up and I start to apologize and Marcel looks at me and he just goes, shut, sit the f- down. Right. <laughs> and he stands up, he goes, Nobody ever does that on this team. We win as a team and we lose as a team. And I'll give you that same shot again a thousand times and we'll do it again next year. And I was like, ooh, 
that's the moment. That was the moment for us okay. that everything changed. Really? Yeah. And we're like, we're, we're coming back here next year. Okay. And that was it. And at that moment, you never, like, nobody ever once considered what someone else going to think if I don't make the shot or, okay. and, and that was it. That was the moment. Yeah. That was, that was the moment where the whole team just stood up and were like, yeah, we're just a team. That's it. It's interesting how, you know, I had Lorianne Munzer uh, in, in studio last Friday talking about how for her, she lost at 30 and she knows it, 39 second race. Boom, I'm out. And the minute she walked off, she's like, I'll be back in four years and I'm winning. Like certain mindset stuff that you just say, Hey, this is how it's going to be for us. And, and it leads to success. You have to have that self belief. And obviously you have to put in all the work be away from the cameras and all that stuff that people don't see. But if you don't have that belief in yourself, and sometimes it's a small thing like that. Now, Marcel, uh, you know, lots of people who watch in those times, people probably chuckle. They remember at the Briar when Marcel threatened the one fan because he was beaking <laughs> off to him at the Briar. It's a class. Like, no, like, he's beaking off to me. He was beaking off yeah. to you. And so Marcel came in as like, Hey, what was it? Yeah. What did he say to you? I well, don't remember. So this, he was actually, this guy who was in the stands in Saskatoon, we lost that bar final. It was like the biggest collapse ever. It's like, I wish, <laughs> I wish TSN would show something more in their greatest 20 curling moments of all time than the one we lost. Okay. We, we had some good ones we won yeah, too. Yeah. But anyway, um, it was a pretty, pretty dramatic, uh, loss on our end, but we were up a few and this guy was there. Uh, he was a heckler and he literally was there. He said afterwards when he was interviewed to do everything he could to make sure we didn't win. So every time I was about to throw and it's pretty quiet or whatever, yeah. not dead quiet. You can have lots of noise, but if it's quiet and then someone screams something out at you, it's like distracting. Right. And I'd gone on for a few ends of this and finally I'd had enough. And so I started walking over to the guy and Mar that's when Marcel grabbed me. And he's like, if someone's get going down, it's me. So he left. <laughs> <laughs> And so anyway, they didn't this, kick him out. No, and, um, they didn't. They had someone stand around him. They didn't kick him out. Um, okay. but that actually changed after that. So I know in Briars after that, like noise is awesome. Yeah. Like noise is amazing. Like you're playing all week long when other sheets are making shots and there's loud noise yeah. and cheering and clapping. It was just that direct one is quiet and someone's screaming at you. That's like pretty hard to, to concentrate. We've seen it in golf and different things too. Right. Um, but they did put some rules in place. So obviously about that after that, but, um, yeah. Anyway, that was the one briar we lost. And again, I feel like that was a big turning moment for us too, because, uh, you know, I missed my last shot and, uh, we ended up losing to Mark Dacey on that. And then we had a chance to come back the next year in Edmonton and we said, we're not ending our career that way. And, uh, came back in Edmonton and we had one of the most, uh, controversial calls of all time, I think in, in the one that we, Randy called, we were, uh, uh, you know, for, for people that know curling, we were, I'm trying to think we were tied up playing the ninth end yeah. against Mark Dacey and uh, we are coming down to my first shot. So it's only a few rocks left. There's only one, one rock in play and it was ours and it was on one side of the house. So normally you just draw the other side of the house, take your two points. And Randy goes, what if we draw on the other side of the house? And like, he's going Mark Dacey's or Mark, um, uh, uh, sorry, I meant Sean Adams. We're playing in the, in the final Sean Adams is so good he's not going to hit yours and give us two. He's going to freeze to the one you're throwing and force us to take one. And we're like, you think he's going to make an absolute perfect freeze with a briar on the line? And he goes, he might. I'm like, what do you want to do? And Randy goes, well, let's take our own rock out. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, because then we got the hammer playing the last end and David, all we want you is to have the last shot again. Yeah. And we're just like, you've got to be kidding me. So, okay, we take our own rock out. <laughs> we blank the end, and then it goes to the 10th end, and we have last rock, and I have a draw to the forefoot to win this time. What did Adam say when you guys took out your own rock? Oh, he, he couldn't believe it. But he also said afterwards he knew why we did it, because well, he goes, he, it was it was because of what happened in Saskatoon the year before where I missed my last shot, and Randy's like, you're not missing it again. 
And he's like, we'll give you the forefoot. You just make it. Yeah. And that was it. So we took our own rock out. And then that was probably the most scared I've ever been because <laughs> he puts one in the rings. Yeah. And now I have to blank the end. Oh, oh my gosh, I better not nose this and take our one. And we could have had two. So anyway, that was the most nervous I've ever been was that not the last shot, shot in the 10th shot. end, the last shot in the ninth end for the blank. And that's what I always, I wanted to ask about that as, you know, th- throwing the last stones, there is just more pressure there, right? Like everything in, in an end, it does matter. But the, the last one, there's just more onus on it. That's what's ultimately going to lead to, to what the, what the score is going to be in that end. Um, how did you learn to kind of have like, you know, engage the mechanisms. I don't know if you ever watched Love of the Game, Kevin Costner, right? Where you block things out. Yeah. Like, did you always have that? Is that is that a skill you had to learn to be able to to focus and not have your nerves? Because the minute you have nerves, now your heart starts racing a little bit, and now suddenly maybe you're throwing the rock a little bit harder or too soft. How did you find that Zen zone? Well, I think it's a bit of both. Meaning, like you can learn it, and you kind of naturally probably have a little bit of that in you. Okay. So we, we definitely worked with uh, some of the sports psychologists and doing some drills, and we put heart rate monitors on. They have way more today from the technology standpoint. Like my daughter's team is working with sports psychologists you know, every week to talk about all these kinds of things. But uh, for me personally, I, I mean, I can't really speak about the other guys, but I was way more relaxed in, in a venue that had thousands of people in it. Okay. Like it just... For whatever reason, I just felt no pressure. Like I was, and which is kind of backwards of what you'd think. But you know, we had eighteen thousand people in the building that day, and it just it calms me. Like I just feel like this is this is so enjoyable being in a building where there's all these people that have paid to watch you play. How does it get any better than that? And every time you sort of like, and this is what our you know our team had a lot of fun. We'd always look around at the crowd and laugh a little bit and point people out, and we just genuinely enjoy the atmosphere of a venue where there's lots of people. And so those are the moments where I was the most calm. I would say is is when the the crowd is the biggest. Dave Nenowin, our guest today on Sports fourteen forty live on Orders Nation YouTube. Uh, when we return, uh, favorite Briar Patch story uh, there might be a few of those ones uh, and also the alberta rivalry it is still arguably the most competitive province when it comes to uh, to curling lots of top teams how fierce was the rivalries back then we'll find out next on the jason greger show presented by play alberta.ca welcome back it is who is it wednesday we always try to look for uh, for big names uh, past or present in the uh, sporting world uh, from athletes coaches managers if you have any requests on anyone you'd like text it to 833-401-1440 as uh, today's guest, of course, uh, three-time world champion, four-time uh, Briar champion. is going into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame along with his uh, teammates, Scott Pfeiffer, Marcel Rock, and Randy Furby. Coming up next month, Dave Nedwin is our guest. Uh, and uh, Dave, the rivalry, um, it was legit. At least for somebody who, now I covered it uh, you know, a little bit, but you know the, the Furby and, and Kevin Martin, like Alberta just... Itself. Then Kevin Cooey comes in and you're just like, oh my goodness, you might have three of the top teams in the world just trying to get out of their province for goodness sakes. How intense was it? Like, was it, I don't because there's not physical play in curling, but like how in depth did you find the animosity was at the peak when your two teams were both great? Oh, it, it was real. There's no question. It was real. Um, but I think that just comes from two teams being extremely good and extremely competitive with each other and also close in proximity. So we're playing each other week after week after week. And it's like final after final after final or whatever. It, it was real. Um, we, you know, there was a period of time there where we didn't like each other very much. No. 
Um, but, you know, but I also think well, that's that, good, though. That's competition. Right. Um, but I also think that, you know, you, you, you kind of finish that period of time. And, um, you know, I'm really good friends with uh, with Mark and, and Ben and John. And uh, I played with Kevin. I don't you know, I, I played with him for a year after that for a while. And like it, it's just that moment, right, where you're yeah. just like you are absolute arch rivals. And. Yeah, you, you don't sit there and necessarily go up and have a drink with them after. You don't like each other very much during a period of time. But I would say we would never have been able to be as successful as we were without Kevin Martin and their team. There's just no way we could have elevated our play and gone, here's the bar. Here's here's what we need to do as a team to be the best. And Kevin Martin was the best. And we just knew we needed to be better than that. And so there's no way we would have been able to do what we did without Kevin. And he went on, obviously, after kind of after our run to just dominate for a number of years. And I guarantee you ask him, he would say the same thing. That would not have happened without us. Right. So there was a mutual like there there was definitely uh, friction there and uh, feistiness. But there was a, a, a very strong mutual respect, I think, between the two teams as well. And that and I think that's the key to it. And now you look at Kevin Cooley, like yeah. you said, who just sat there in the shadows for eight years or nine years before he finally broke through because, you know, he had to go through. It's not like he had to be one of us. He had to be both of us, and that wasn't going to happen. And all of a sudden, he gets better and better and better. And now arguably one of the most successful skips of all time. Yeah. And I mean, that five, right? Yeah. And that happens because of us and because of Kevin. And he knew where he needed to raise his game to. I remember just even Mark Johnson, who was a really great, you know, he's a a senior men's world champion here from Alberta. And I remember after provincials one year, he's like, if only I'd been born in some other province, he says. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's true, like, right? Like you'd have – there was times where getting out of Alberta, you're almost yeah. anointing yourself as the Briar champ, right? Like Manitoba had some pretty good teams there for a while, and, you know, Ontario had a, had a stretch drive for a bit. But um, like Alberta – and even now, this many years later, it's the same. Yeah, it it is. There's uh, Now you've got the Botcher and Cooey yeah. situation, and then there's some other young guys that are coming up kind of in their shadows too that are really good um but they're just not breaking through the botcher and cooey kind of wall yeah, but they will. yeah i mean yeah eventually you will yeah. but it, it's difficult right yeah. like in, in you look in lots of sports there's lots of teams that are really good and they could maybe beat like the buffalo bills you're like yeah, okay well, you know what maybe we can beat cincy but we probably can't beat cincy and casey right right and so I, you see it in a lot of sports yeah. uh, all the time now the briar patch is something that you know curling fans it's almost as fun as watching curling for a lot of the fans, right? And I think for players. Now, it's changed a little bit, but like, do you have a favorite briar patch moment? Oh, I don't know if I have a favorite moment, but I do remember uh, when we won our first provincials. And right now, like, this is something I don't like about the game anymore, is that the socialization is kind of gone. Like, yeah. there's all these rules everyone has, and no one goes upstairs for a drink, and no one visits because they, you know, they're competing tomorrow. And I get that. You got to do all the right things, right? But I remember um, our first provincial win. Randy, we're talking about what we're doing. He goes, just so you know, we go to the patch every single night. He goes, I don't care. You know, what time we play, he goes, we go to the patch every single night. And we're like, uh, well, he goes, the fans are there, you know, or, or we're playing this venue because the fans are coming to watch us. Okay. Even if we walk in and we do a circle around the patch and, and we wave and we leave, we go to the patch every single night. You want to have water? You have water. You want to sit down for an hour with your family? You sit down with an hour for your family. He goes, okay. Number one rule, we go to the patch every single night. And, and it meant a lot because we, you know, we had so many people that loved, 
you know, just seeing us and visiting yeah. and sitting down, um, you know, but we had to be careful. I mean, you, you might sit there and have a, have a beer or two and that's, you know, that's okay depending on, you know, what the situation is the next day. But, uh, but my, my team had a very skilled way of making sure I left very early. So they'd be like our coach, Brian, be like, okay, uh, guys, let's, let's all, it's time to roll out. And they're, they're all like, well, but it's only like 10 o'clock and we don't play till two. Yeah, I know, but we're going to, we're going to hit the road. And so we'd all kind of walk to the door and, you know, the cab is there and, and I'd get in the cab and then Brian would close the door and the cab would take off and they'd all be standing there waving at me. <laughs> And this this happened all the time. They would just make sure I got sent home. They first, just want to make was, sure that the, the guy throwing the four stones, he's good, but we yeah. can stay out late. Well, that was kind of the, that was kind of the, the idea. As long as turn David, around, come on. <laughs> it's okay. I knew I had to do anyways. Yeah. But I do remember walking into the patch in in Winnipeg, and that was at the the Worlds there, and um, it was it was a gong show. Like it was an absolute <laughs> mob. I mean, oh. like you know, five thousand people in this building, and it took me an hour to get like from the entrance to the first table because we couldn't move and everybody was just mobbing us right and uh it was unfortunately that was the one time where we did have to draw the line where we couldn't go there anymore because it was just too much right but there was a guy that walked up to me and he's like hey david you remember me and i'm like i got pretty good at being like you know i recognize the face but i'm i'm sorry i don't i don't recognize you i don't remember your name what's your name he's come on he's like going on and on yeah, about how I should remember him. him right and then finally he's like oh fine he goes but anyway for reference when you were a kid I used to pump your parents septic tank at the lake <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because as a kid, that's what I'm going to remember. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Now, speaking of kids, uh, your daughter Alyssa is uh, uh, representing Canada at the upcoming uh, uh, World Junior Championships. Now they're in the B's. Actually, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, your daughter's 16. She's quite good. You've actually played in spiels with her in in, the, in mixed. Yeah, mixed doubles is for those who haven't seen it. It's a great event. Like it's a great um element of the sport. So, it's kind of like um, you know, rugby sevens compared to rugby. It's just like it's two people, the team only throws five rocks each. There's a couple stationary stones. Games done in like an hour and a half instead of like two and a half to three hours, and every stone is is so important. And so, um yeah, for me I love playing mixed doubles. I don't play men's anymore, but I do play mixed doubles with my with my daughter. Uh, we started that probably four years ago. So when she would have been 13, 14 and oh, wow. we actually won a, won a tour event. Um, and we lost a couple finals. Like we had a really good year. Um, you know, we beat some great teams. We did beat, you beat your wife we, once? Well, we did in the final of, of the short park event. It was funny <laughs> enough because Darren Molding needed a player. Uh, Darren Molding, who, you know, won, won the Briar with yeah. Botcher. And, uh, so Alyssa and I were playing in it and he says to Heather, well, I need a player now. Mine can't play. Can you play? Cause I used to play with Heather in mixed doubles. Actually, I got a funny story about that too. But, um, and so she's like, okay, fine. I'll play. So anyway, it's a good, good field. And it just so happens myself and Alyssa make the final against Darren and Heather. It's like the strangest situation that you could imagine. Now, how was that? Had you ever well, competed against your wife? Head no, to head? I hadn't competed against her and it came down to last end. Last shot of all things, Alyssa's throwing and has to make, you know, like a really difficult run back, take the other teams out. 
And she nailed it. And both teams are up and jumping up <laughs> yeah. and down cheering. Because well, that's mom. She's like, oh, that's a great <laughs> shot. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so there we are. It was, it, was a, it was a really amazing moment to be playing with Alyssa. And so we've got a couple events this year we're going to play in. And uh, it's going to be lots of fun. Yeah. Now, what's the story with you and Heather playing mix together? Oh, well, Heather, Heather and I played mix. And we did really well. We played in a few events. And uh, we played against uh, – she actually hosted a big international event right before the, uh, the Olympics would have been in – 2014 i guess was that russia yes yeah sochi yeah sochi so we there's like the teams from the u.s and korea and japan and and russia and norway and uh anyway heather and i made it to the semifinals before finally finally losing out but in the quarterfinals we played a russian pair and um i can honestly say i've never been that close to being in a full-on fight like <laughs> i mean full-on fight on the ice what happened it, it was like it all started out with like a little bit of time clock air it's volunteers using a time clock and you know they they got very upset that the time clocks weren't working properly and i was kind of like don't worry no one's losing on time violation it's just volunteers just keep the game moving like whatever else and they they just they were furious and so the game went on and you know heather had uh i'm trying to think exactly what happened uh the other team had made some decent shot and they turned around and started screaming in heather's face like yeah shaking the brooms and screaming in her face and then i ended up making a, a really good shot to score a bunch and we calmly just she walks i walk by and heather's like nice shot and they just got infuriated why her because we weren't celebrating like they were and oh, okay. they got very angry their coach had to come down because he was now up in heather's face and i'm like oh man i can't let this happen so i step in between the two and being like hey you need to just calm down just about ready to get killed because this guy was like six foot three and just pure muscle and i'm like i'm about to get killed on the ice here and their coach came down and broke us up and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I, we talk about their temper all the time. <laughs> and anyhow, uh, husband and wife couple, right? They, they were husband, and, husband wife. and wife, husband and wife. And no joke. So they go to the, they go to the Olympics and mix doubles and they got the bronze. Oh, wow. Only to have it taken away because of substance abuse. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a little roid rage is what you're saying. I'm so. not sure, but that, oh. that was, that was the craziest moment I've ever had on the ice thinking I was about to get in a full on fight with, this this guy from Russia that was about to kill me. Oh, that's unbelievable. Now, uh, you'd mentioned, uh, so you, you're coaching your daughter, so you'll be going uh, with her to the um, to the world. And you guys are in the Bs, though. I think a lot of people don't know, like, Canada is obviously one of the best curling nations, but now the way they have it in the World Juniors, you got to qualify and finish in the top six of the previous Worlds, correct? Otherwise, then you're in the Bs, so Canada wasn't didn't finish in the top six. And I think there's about, we were talking during the break, like, you know, maybe nine or ten really competitive nations. So now you're in the Bs, and you got to finish in the top three just to get into the A pool. Yeah, and it's, it's a tough grind. And, it, and it's kind of like, I mean, we always think of Canada as being this dominating country in curling, but it, it hasn't been the case for the last number of years. I think... You know, men are still doing reasonably well, like Gushu is just having great success on the international stage. Um, but I mean, the, the field is getting just better and better and better because all these other countries are devoting all the resources to one team who's a professional team and they yeah. just, you know, they're getting better. In Canada, we have such a, a, a wide, you know, a wide pool of great curlers. It's hard to dedicate all your resources to just one team, yeah, right? You need sense. to. So anyhow, um, it is getting tougher. And uh, at the world, B, or at the world, you need to finish in the top six, like you said, or you're so three every year are relegated back down to the B's. And Canada is one of those three, along with uh, U.S. and I think Latvia. And so you know now you're in this event where pretty much anybody can enter. So there's going to be like 
28 teams or oh, something wow. like that. But it's going to be like some, some bad. are brand new curlers. Oh, okay. Like everything from complete novice almost curlers, countries who are trying to get an experience, what's it going to be like, through to some pretty good teams. Oh, like wow. the U.S. team is going to be really good. I mean, Scotland and Korea were in the Bs last year as well as Canada. And Scotland and Korea got gold and, and bronze at the World A's, the main world. So it's it's going to be kind of one of those things where we're going to have some games that we're probably going to – you know, finish quickly, and then you have to somehow ramp it up for the games that are going to be tough. But yeah, we have to finish in the in the top three. We've got a medal, and then we'll get a chance to play in the World A's you know, again in February. Dave, uh, thanks so much for for coming in and, and joining us uh, today. Now you're always welcome to stick around to co-host. That's always the option if people want to try their hand at co-hosting in the second hour. So you can make that decision during the break. But there's definitely no pressure if you want to do it. But uh, we look forward October. What? When is the uh, ceremony for the Sports Hall of Fame? It's October nineteenth. October nineteenth. So you're in there for a few days. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, there for a few days and. Uh I'll, it's actually my daughter Alyssa's birthday, so she's quite upset at me. And uh, but from there, I'll head down to Michigan, where my other daughter is. She's playing. Uh, she's in school there uh, as at on a lacrosse scholarship. So I'll go visit her from there, and then make my way back home. Nice. Well, uh, congratulations to you and Heather. Obviously, uh, I, I know Heather's uh, still heavily involved in, in curling in, in Sherwood Park, and you, of course, uh, coaching uh, Alyssa and playing a little bit. And I'm sure. So, do you make like a few appearances a year? Aren't you playing right away for Team Australia or something? Yeah, it turns out I've been uh, asked to fill in this weekend a little bit oh, for the uh, Australian team. Yeah, I'm playing tomorrow down in uh, Beaumont in a tour event. Uh, one of their players got quite ill. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to fill in and. Uh, play for Team Australia for a few games. I think we play an American team right away. Uh, and then in our pool is a team from Norway, I believe. And I'm not sure who else. But, yeah, I'll get a few games in this weekend. So do you just – is it one of those things like riding a bike? Yeah. For, I mean, I'll uh, – I've thrown a few rocks okay. so far this fall. Not a lot. But I'll uh, – from here, I'm actually tonight going to go off. I have to coach my daughter's team. So I'll stay around a while longer and throw get some stones in and just kind of make sure I'm ready for tomorrow. But, you know, I it's all about – I, it's a new team, right? So yeah. I got to know them. Yeah. So it's all about like you know being smart about how you play okay. and uh, not necessarily you know thinking that you're just going to quite be the way you used to be. But <laughs> I, hopefully, I can find a way to to win a game or two. Yeah. Well, that would be nice. Well, for sure. Anybody out in Beaumont, you want to check it out? Uh, Dave Nenowin, Canadian uh, Sports Hall of Famer. Four-time Briar champ, three-time world champion. Uh, he'll be out there in Beaumont this weekend. Uh, thanks so much, Dave, and continued success. Thank you very much. That is uh, Dave Nettowin. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley and a Sports Center update brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of the no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Do not be cold this winter. Plan ahead at Legacy Heating. Here's Connor and a Sports 1440 update. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 